goodness. They're going to come back out in just a few minutes, and we're going to close our services worshiping together. Uh, but good to have you guys here tonight. Good evening. Like, was it weird coming into the building and you're out of habit? You just want to say good morning? And to, yeah, we don't do this too often. And this whole weekend uh, has been about magnifying Jesus. When you think about a magnifying glass, it doesn't make the object any bigger. It just helps us see how big it is. It helps us see the detail, the beauty of an object when we put it under a magnifying glass. And this whole weekend as a church body, we've been part of something called the church has left the building. And instead of coming to worship together and, and huddling up and learning from the Bible this morning together, we, we challenged everyone to just go out and do something in Jesus' name, like love on some people, serve somebody, help somebody. And the reason to do that is not to make any God any bigger than he already is, because he's, he's big. <laughs> but it's to help people see God for more of who he is. And so thank you for many of you that participated and served in some way over this weekend, a neighbor, uh, somewhere in the community. And uh, we, we wanted to take a few minutes to worship and celebrate. We also wanted to take a few minutes to to dig into God's Word. Um, if you've been here on the weekends with us, uh, each week we've been walking through uh, the book of Ephesians, this ancient letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this group of believers in the city of Ephesus. And tonight we come to the close of the book of Ephesians. And as we come to the very end of his letter that he wrote, Paul says something that is really, really significant. Look at it with me, Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, he says, a final word. Like he's saying, of all the things that I've, I've shared, now I'm, I'm bringing it to a close. All right, my final word. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He says, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul finishes this letter. He's reminded them of who they are, what Jesus has done for them, how their identity uh, could be completely changed as a new creature, uh, a, a person that has received God's grace and mercy and has changed the whole trajectory of their life in the here and now and their eternity. And then he says, and this final word, I want you to know something. We are in a battle. Essentially, that's what Paul was saying. He was saying we're in a battle. And the battle he was talking about wasn't a flesh and blood battle against other people. He said there's a battle that's going on and it's between good and evil. And he, he's, he says that Satan is the one that personifies this. And it says that uh, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Verse 11, he says, we've got to put on God's armor so that we can stand firm against the strategies. Have you ever thought about that? I was watching the Browns game a little bit this afternoon, and they're strategizing, right? Uh, when, I'm sure Port Clinton, after they won yet another game Friday night... They, what did they do? They went back to the locker room the next day. They watched film of themselves. They probably are watching film of the other team. Why? Because they're coming up with a strategy 
to take down the next team. I don't know if we often think about that the enemy of our souls is watching footage of our lives, strategizing to take us down, to take us out, to discourage us, to, to knock us off of uh, the foundation that we've built our lives upon, to, to, to challenge our thinking, to tempt us to be lured away. But that's what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church about. He's saying, we are in a battle. And he says that the only way that we're going to stand firm in this battle is to, is to put on the armor of God. And part of the, part of the enemy's strategy, one, one Bible commentator puts it this way, because throughout the book of Ephesians, he, he highlights some of these things, some of the ways that Satan is attacking. He says, he seeks to alienate humanity from God by disobedience and by ignorance and corrupted thinking. He tries to separate people from each other through the alienating sins of greed and falsehood, anger, and other related sins. It's interesting that he says he tries to separate people. Our mission here at the chapel is to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And the enemy of our souls is doing everything he can to not let that happen. To not let people be drawn closer to each other and closer to Jesus. Satan will do anything he can to get in the way of that, to discourage us, to even stop us from experiencing who God is and his truth and what he has for our lives. So what does Paul say? He says, therefore, we've got to put on every piece of God's armor. If we're going into battle, Paul says, we've got to get armored up. We've got to get geared up. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then he says, after the battle, you will be standing firm. So if we don't want to get knocked down, if we don't want to get drug out, if we don't want to get beat up, if we want to stand firm in our faith, Paul says we're in a war and we need to put on all of God's armor. Now, the armor that he has in mind is the armor of a Roman soldier, because actually Paul was writing this letter, the book of, to, uh, to the Ephesian church, from a Roman jail cell. And so he had his eyes on the guards, the officers of that day. And he, so he says in, in chapter 6, verse 20, I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador, so I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul was in chains. He's, he's looking at these, these, uh, these guys that are huge and in charge and geared up for battle, and he starts to compare the things that they're wearing to our spiritual lives, to the things that spiritually we need to put on in our life if we're going to go into battle and if we're going to stand firm. The first thing that he mentions is the belt of truth. He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. I'm going to reference John Stott's uh, commentary on the book of Ephesians several times uh, in our time together tonight. Here he says, the belt was underneath everything else. It held the, the soldier's tunic together. It held his sword. It was hidden, but it gave a soldier a sense of strength and confidence. This was the belt of truth. And what Paul was saying to the Ephesians and what he's saying to us, if we want to go into battle and we want to stand firm, is we've got to have something wrapped around us 
that grounds us in truth. So that when, when false thoughts come into our mind, when doubts creep into our mind, we're holding on to truth. It's what's holding us together. But then he goes on a little further and he says, and also put on the body armor or some versions say the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Uh, again, here John Stott says the body armor or the breast piece, it covered the front and the back of the soldiers. It was a major piece of armor that protected its most vital organs. Its most vital organs. The breastplate of righteousness. What Paul's getting at here is that there, we, we need to first be made right with God through Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. And so that we have right standing before him. That is the breastplate of righteousness. And then he's also alluding to the fact that as we live lives of integrity, that righteousness protects us. I remember one time, Pastor Bill, our founding pastor of the chapel, said this one time. He said, you know, there's a wonderful freedom that comes into your life when you have no secrets and nothing to hide. This is this integrity and character that Paul's speaking of, and he says it will protect you. It will protect the deepest parts of who you are. John Stott says the body armor or the breastplate, it covered the front and the back. Oh, I already read that one. The second one, he goes on further. He says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Now, that's a rendering of some sandals. Those were not like the shoes that the soldiers were wearing of the day. In fact, the, in fact here's, what, here's what Max Turner says, that the footwear that was provided, it prepared um, for readiness for the battle. There were nails on the bottoms of their boots so that they weren't sent backwards in the, army, in the enemy's strategies and in the enemy's charge. There was something about the, the, the warriors of that day. They would wear these heavy-duty boots made of leather and sometimes metal. And there were these sharp objects that would keep them from moving backwards so that they could stand firm. What he's saying to the Ephesian church and what Paul is saying to us is that if we're going to go into battle, we need to be grounded in God's peace. So that even when we're in the battle and we're getting hit and we're getting knocked down, that there's a deep inner sense of confidence and peace because we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. He says, in addition to this, in addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The shield of faith. Max Turner says the shield was a large door-shaped shield of wood, leather, bound with iron, and in battle it could be locked with others to form a wall. If you like ancient period pieces, you know, and you see uh, them going into battle, and it's kind of crazy because it's not the way the wars are fought today, but I mean armies and men after men would line up row after row, and they would just go into battle together. But what would they do? They would carry shields, and oftentimes, then they'd just duck behind the shields, and they'd be shoulder to shoulder with one another, and it would create this protective wall that helped everyone. And I think what Paul is saying here is, when we go into battle, we have to hold up the shield of faith. Faith is 
the assurance of things that we hope for and the confidence of things that we do not yet see. That's Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. And Paul is saying that our, our faith is like a shield that blocks the fiery darts of the enemy. That when Satan pulls back and lets at us with whatever it is, doubts and despair and frustration, that, that when we hold up the shield of faith, and, and hey, even when we can't hold ours up, that we're close enough with some others that their shield is also protecting us. It's such a powerful picture of our need for community. I mean, when you go into battle, you don't want to go into battle alone. Book of Ecclesiastes says, how can, how can a person defend himself if he's all by himself, but two are better than one because they can stand back to back? That's what Paul's pointing us towards. John Stott says, Faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression, and faith lays hold of the power of God in times of, it should say, temptation. So Paul is sitting in this jail cell. He's looking at these Roman warriors, and he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church saying, listen, we're in a battle and you need to gear up. And he's looking at all these different pieces of armor on these soldiers and saying, there's something like that for our spiritual journey, for our spiritual lives, things that we need to put on. And next he says, put on salvation as your helmet, Ephesians 6, 17. John Stott says, the helmet was made of tough metal like bronze or iron. And what's the, what's the helmet for? It's to protect your noggin, <laughs> Right? It's to protect your head. It's to protect your brain so that you can think clearly, so that you can go into battle with a strategy of your own, so that you can adequately hear God's voice as, he, as he's leading you through life, so that we can think and process and pray and depend upon God. The helmet, the helmet of salvation, remembering not just who we are, but remembering whose we are. The helmet of salvation is remind, it's reminding ourselves that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, so that when we put our faith in him, we can have eternal life and never have to perish ultimately. And Paul's saying, as we go into battle, we have to remember whose we are what Jesus has done for us. That should give us great confidence as we go into the battlefield. And then Paul says in, in verse 17, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love what John Stott says here. He says, of all the six pieces of armor or weaponry that are listed, the sword is the only one that can clearly be used for attack as well as defense. Jesus, Jesus exemplified this the greatest when he was led into the desert to be tempted, the Bible says, for 40 days by the devil himself. And how did Jesus fight back? He fought back with the truth of Scripture. So Jesus lived this out and he modeled it. And now Paul's writing to the Ephesian church and saying, just, just do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did and you will stand firm in the battle. He says, take the sword of the Spirit. God's Word says that it's alive and living and active. It's, it's like a double-edged sword. And so we, we defend 
wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes, doubts with the truth of God's word. And we go on the offensive and fight back. And ultimately, in verse 18, he says, and pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I'm going to invite our worship team back out because they're going to join us, and and we're going to close our services worshiping together. But as the team comes out, I want us to think about the way that Paul finishes this powerful letter to the Ephesians. He says, of all the things that you're going to put on, there's something else that you need to do actively. He says, pray at all times and in every occasion. He says, stay alert and be persistent in all of your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Our number one value here at the chapel is to depend on God, to live prayerful lives. Prayer is like the oxygen for our lungs so that we have energy to go into the battle. You can have, listen, you can have all the armor you want, but if you've got no gusto inside of you, we'll just run and hide. And Paul's reminding the Ephesians, pray. Pray to God, seek him, depend on him, lean into him. This is where we're going to discover all the hope, all the energy, all the confidence to go into battle and ultimately to stand firm no matter what comes our way. So this is the way that we want to end our services because Paul, he, he, he challenges the Ephesian believers to keep putting on all these pieces of armor. And this week, I want to challenge you to read through Ephesians 6. Maybe some morning as you get up and you're literally getting dressed the, 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 symbolically, You'll remember the things that that we need to put on on a daily basis, the belt of truth, the breastplate of, of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the gospel shoes of peace. Hold up the shield of faith and hold it up for others around you. One of the best ways that we overcome evil, God's word says it, overcome evil by what? By doing good. And this weekend, many of our chapel family were out in the community doing what is good. So this is the way we want to close our services. I'm going to invite you to, to move a little bit. I'm going to invite you to stand up if, if what I read reflects you tonight or this weekend. So I want you to stand up if this weekend you served in some way with your family. Anybody do that with, with, with your fam? I did. Awesome. You can sit back down. All right, stand up if you served with your small group, some small groups that hung out together. Yeah, all right. Some of you were with your family, and some of your family's in your small group. I love it. How about, yeah, you guys can just keep standing. Uh, Stand up if you went out all by yourself and just showed care to someone. Love that. Way to go. Uh, Stand up if you blessed a stranger this weekend. Stand Stand up if you served a neighbor in some way. I know a lot of people that did that this weekend. Stand up if you gave someone a gift. Stand up if uh, you served with a local ministry. Lots of partnering ministries that, that got some help this weekend. Stand up if you did some form of manual labor. I heard about a group in Norwalk yesterday that built a ramp. Oh, some of you guys, maybe you were there. Maybe you went to Norwalk or, or you, were doing, you were cleaning up yards or you were raking leaves. 
Stand up if you uh, stand up if you're ready to make serving a way of life. Well, that that ought to be all of us, right? I love that somebody somebody was telling me that they were out with their group and after they were done, they're like, "So when are we doing this again?" They're like, "We we we need to do this more often." That's why we called this event. The church has left the building. A weekend of service, a way of life. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. If we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to go into battle, if we're going to overcome evil with good, it's going to be living out a life of service. So let's all stand up if you're ready to just glorify God and let him be the one that gets magnified and gets the credit in our lives, all right? Let's worship him together as we close our service.